Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. And welcome to the show, Frederick Fronson, our Danish editor-in-chief, and also our Swedish Hockey League and Liga Nordic uh, scout that we uh, have on this uh, wonderful blog at Overtime Rogues Hockey. I am Joseph Stanisla. I do the New Jersey Devils, and I cover the non-Nordic uh, NHL Amateur Prospects League. So welcome to the show, everybody. Almost like you're there, Frederick. Yeah, I am there. I I wasn't sure that was my quote, uh, my cue to say anything. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I thought you had a, a frog in your throat. Oh, I I had just taken some water, so that was the end of what it was. <laughs> uh, also, my cat is like around, so that's jumping, like doing stuff. Oh, I hear her. <laughs> but yeah, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. So, um, yeah. I was just introducing everyone to um, that you do the Nordic leagues that because you're in Denmark, you get the Swedish and Liga feed um, from that region of Europe. So it works a bit better. At least a, I have um, the feeds from the Swedish channels, but also again, with time differences, I have a much easier time watching that than um, people in North America. So it, it works really well. Um, with all of that, so yeah, it's it's been fun. Like the past two weeks, I've been trying to kind of map out who are the prospects to keep an eye on in Sweden, um, um, Finland, even like to a degree the Danish and North and Norwegian leagues. Although I don't think they have too many. Yeah, like it, by default, like the KHL has Jokerit with uh, with Finland. Because if I remember correctly, uh, Jokerit was part of Liga, and then they be- then they decided to become part of uh, the KHL to mm-hmm. try and get more exposure. So um, that's kind of like uh, a little bit different subject. But like you have a lot of um, Slovak influences in uh, nearby uh, Finland. Like uh, for instance, you have Brad Lambert, who's like North American. Mm-hmm. who has uh, Finnish ties. And then you have uh, Slovak uh, possible future uh, Slovak top three people, uh, and Juraj Slavkovsky. Yep. Beautiful pronunciation, by the way. Um, beautiful pronunciation, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to get used to saying his name, I think, quite a lot. He is he's phenomenal. Like, he looks so poised. He's he has a like good size. He plays the game the right way. I know that's a very big cliche to say. Oh, he plays the game the right way. But the thing about him is he works extremely hard. He not he doesn't just have his talent and extreme skill. No, he he works as well. He that's the reason why he is currently playing Liga minutes, like top league in Europe minutes at the age of seventeen and doing it quite well at a team like um um. TPS or Tuko, as it actually is. Um, there is a reason for it. He is so, so explosive and so, so... Uh, like, he will not take a shift off. Um, so he is he's someone to look at, 
watch um, for sure in in like the Slovak system, which I think recently man has that developed. Like one of the things, I, well, back to last year's World Juniors, um, when I was watching Brad Lambert play for Finland, and then I saw uh, Slovakia play, I was like, "Who is this Sasquatch of a player? Who is this mammoth of a?" left-handed shot that this kid can actually skate and like like maneuver for his size and i'm like oh this kid is in next year's draft this kid's gonna be phenomenal and when they said uh like the guys on um tsn sportsnet um during the draft and i heard well i think it might have been ray ferrara or craig button they said he dangles like a ballerina and i'm like he maneuvers like a, a Datsuk with the dangling and everything, but the body size to me screams Yarmir Yager. He he has a lot of Yager to his game, in my opinion. Like again, I don't necessarily like comparing players too much. Like again, saying oh he's an S Datsuk or he's an S Yager, that's probably a bit too much pressure to put on someone who's seventeen. However, he is having all the skill sets to become someone who plays a similar style as Jager. But whether he could obviously score as many points is up for debate, but I think he will be a very, very good player in the NHL for many, many years to come. Um, like, again, the, the Slovakia has such an interesting team as well. Like, I think they have, for instance, as well, the best defenseman in the draft as well, um, in Simon Nimic. So, it is those kind of things where I think this year, they're kind of becoming the Germany of last the last few years in the World Juniors, where they become so interesting to watch um, due to Tim Stutzler and stuff like that. Now it's kind of the Slovakian turn. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. Like I noticed Germany over the years starting to become like uh, a medium superpower, and this is what I like to call the emerging markets of hockey, where these countries don't have the name brand recognition Russia's, but but every gets them closer to that sort of respectability like Switzerland um, over the years has a handful of players each and every birth seems like they have someone viable for an early draft pick so with that being said about Slavkovsky, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, pick up the pace a little bit in Liga, but he has someone comparable to him, uh, points per game in uh, Brad Lambert. I, f- I think you also have a- another name in in the in Liga, which I think have almost come out of a bit, not nowhere, he was known before, but uh, Joachim Kimmel. I think he's another name that is very, very interesting because he came suddenly last year. He played like one game, got a goal. This season, 16 games he has played in the Liga. He has 18 points, 12 of them goals. That is interesting. That is a guy who has jumped the charts over the past um, season. Like, I think he was like in 20th pick. Um, like, that was kind of where he was checking, like around pick 20, 15. Yeah, my cat is not... <laughs> She's she definitely wants the attention. Uh, podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it it spices up a little bit. 
but no, he has come out like I think he was like predicted like uh, 15 or 20, like around that area. By most, suddenly he is a top five pick. Some even have him on the same as um as like not quite um top three, but I think he is like on the cusp of top five. So it he's another name I would be very interested in. Uh, kind of similar to um what um um William Eklund was um last year. Well, you brought up William Ackland, and I'm looking at um, Joachim Noel, and to me, he almost he's similar to his birth year of Alexander Holtz in a way, where he likes to shoot the puck, and EP ringside in 2021 uh, quoted him as a, with very good shooting skills, plays with a lot of jump, and can get creative with the beat defenders, willing to shoot entertaining player uh by drafting europe in 2020 yeah and there's a thing where there's a lot of time for you to look at these kind of players and go where did they come from oh they just played in the in the lower like the juniors and suddenly you go oh then it's really really you see that kind of shot you see the skating how much effect that can have even in the pros and suddenly you see that game develop and you just suddenly have those shoes like um like even though again when you look at like uh joel this time um, as you mentioned six points in 19 games but again it, he is someone who plays regularly in a in one of the in my opinion top five leagues in the world so you have to take that into account as well you don't just get given a space in one of the top leagues not in liga or the shl you don't get given top spots on top lines you have to earn that you have to be good to get that spot. Um, which also, whenever people go bring up the KHL, like, oh, look at um, the numbers of um, um, someone like Malat Kostandinov, when a Minnesota Wild prospect. Um, he has he started the season out on fire, played top six minutes. Now he's gone down to the fourth line and isn't producing the same way. So people are kind of on the radio again. And it's like, no, he's just playing this. So, like, uh, you. You know, like Murad Mahusnadinov, uh, like he, you know, didn't, you know, go early in the draft. He went, but now we're kind of looking at similar story with uh, the kids that are playing in these more uh, high end leagues. And you know, for me, like I was looking at um, one of the defensemen last year. Uh, I believe Winnipeg picked the kid, but. Uh, he was a left-handed shot, uh, Carson Lambos, who played um, about half the year in Finland. Minnesota Wild like, picked him. He's a wild yeah, pick. Like either Minnesota or Winnipeg picked him because they were mid-late picks uh, in last year's draft. I'm like, this kid, like, if he can handle the transition from CHL to playing in Liga, there he should be picked higher because, you know, you're playing against more top talent despite the ice difference. But I look, um, you have guys like um, Jonathan Leckery Maki for Jur Gardens IF uh, Junior 20 team. And he has 16 goals and 26 points in 18 games. I know this is a tier below, uh, the, the Swedish Hockey League. But he the same could be said for him, you know, in Sweden. I mean, 
what can you say about uh, Jonathan? Um, I need hang on. Uh, I got distracted by a cat. Uh, what was the the name again? It was Jonathan. Um, Jonathan Leckery Maki. Leckery Maki. Leckery. I need to find my notes for him. Uh, Either way, I believe prospects.com. Yeah. He plays for Durko and Rex. Um, he's the, on the... the same feeder team that gave the Devils and the Sharks uh, yeah. in Eklund. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got him. Got him, yeah. Uh, and and that's a team that he's an, he's probably actually that could be interesting because he might play SHL minutes in and he has actually played a few games I can see but I think because of how Jurgen it's kind of struggling this season he could see game time for them to make a blast but yeah you see him now um, like he's a center again only 17 years old uh, you mentioned it yourself he has 26 points in 18 games in a league that. Yeah, it's it's his own age group, but it's very comparable to something like um, the CHL, um, uh, the OHL numbers. And yeah, you should dominate, but he is as well. And at the same time, he is a guy whose playing style reminds me a little bit about someone like Holtz um, in a lot of ways. I think he plays a kind of similar game. I think the only thing that's kind of... Not necessarily sad for Jurgen, but fans or fans of Swedish prospects in general. But I think his chances of going into the lineup has been limited a little bit by um, William Eklund coming back from the Sharks after the 10 games. I think if uh, Eklund stays in San Jose, I think he has more of a chance to slot into the lineup a little bit more frequently than he has been of the top team. But again, you develop well. He is doing the right things you bite your time and he's going to be interesting to see um doing what i would be interested to see if he goes to the um the the under 20 the juniors i doubt it a little bit i think they wait a year to bring him up but he could be an interesting name for that so what i'm looking at like um he played for sweden u18 holinka gresky and he had five in five games to me, he's a sniper in all sense of the word. Meaning of a sniper, and and I look at his twenty twenty one season in IF uh, Junior eighteen group, and he had twelve goals in eight games played before he got to the J twenty. So to me, this is a story that that he's a sniper, and then it the nineteen twenty season with the IF U sixteen where. He solidified his role as a 16, uh, 18 game type player. So, is how is his defensive work? Um, again, for what the few things I've watched, it is a bit difficult still to find uh, uh, junior twenty three uh, hockey league stuff. It is still a bit of a hassle sometimes. I have seen a few clips. From what I can see, again. As a center, you should be able to play a decent two-way game, and I think he is able to do that. Um, the one concern is that sometimes he might be a little bit, from what I've seen, a little bit overly offensive-minded. Again, he wants to be in front of the net. He wants to be there, so he can get caught a little bit. However, I think he does have what it takes to be have that developed into a into a thing that won't be an issue at a energetic level, but there is that kind of um, 
question mark that is it defensive abilities good enough to be one of like someone like Bergeron or something like that? Right. Of course, that's a really high task to be someone like Bergeron. You, you don't just become a circuit winner and less can do be be fine. But again, as a center, you want him to be able to play a strong two-way game. He's a great sniper. He scores goal for fun. Um, his shot is ridiculous. But again, there's a reason why he in the SHL still has only played three games. Um, and that isn't because he isn't good enough offensively. It is because you need to be playing a little bit more physical, a little bit more defensive-minded hockey, especially in Sweden. Um, and I think that's why he's a bit limited still. So my question is this. He can play center, but he can snipe. I can, like, from what you're telling me, he sounds like more like a winger game um, if he's a more professional. And <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if a team drafts him in the late first because I'm looking at um, – Elite prospects and they're ranking him between Craig Button at ninth overall to FC Hockey at 29th. So for me, I think like a team. Well, not to be biased, like Devils are wild. You're looking at a a really good value pick for something later in the draft. For sure, it is one of those where he could be one of those pick um, that kind of goes into like the later rounds, like a Samuel Fagamo, which is a, another good player, I think, um, from LA. I uh, Who drafted him, I think, also in the second round, like fifth, like really, really late, where you see the potential. It's glaring you. It's so good. But there is those small things that, that you need to kind of work on. And if you feel like you can work on it and you can make those um, issues... Um, unnoticeable, then the upside is absolutely there for a potential top 10 pick. Um, but I I do believe, as you said, he would be a good value pick late in the first round. Maybe he would even fall into the second. I would not like to see that, but I could see him fall that low. Just because, again, also size is another thing. He isn't the smallest guy. He's 5'10", or 5'11", sorry. So he isn't the smallest guy, but as a center, you wouldn't mind if he could grow like a few more centimeters have a bit more of a weight on him just so he was a bit more um more strong in front of the net yeah to me like you know teams like doubles the Wild, carolina hurricane they're always hunting for value picks and last year i predicted daniela Klimovic would go the mid like third to fifth round and Vancouver selected him, I think, second or third round, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. I think you are, yeah. And he's the Belarusian sniper. And I think, well, not to uh, shout out to Yerkovich getting two goals last night, but I think because of what the Ducks found in uh, a Belarusian player, I think a lot of teams are starting to take notice that, you know, you find these guys late in those – Mid rounds, maybe find someone like that in um, the mid early round. Oh yeah, and and again, that's the thing. Hockey follows hockey DMs follow trends. Like it's it's quite funny. Whenever there's a Stanley Cup winner, then suddenly all teams want to do exactly what that Stanley Cup winner did to win. We saw it when the Boston Bruins won, for instance. 
the Bruins won, uh, and then suddenly all teams, Vancouver, Edmonton, everyone wanted to be the Boston Bruins in terms of playing style. Um, we see it as well with um, with um, um, like draft picks as well. You said mentioned Belarusian. Um, it, there's always like trends going on. Where is this hot to draft from? Like, where's the hot commodity? Germans suddenly got really hot to draft from. Um, I think Slovakians will be really will be a really, really interesting place to look at over the next bit. But yeah, Belarusian players, uh, some are a little bit obscure places. People, like, scouting is so, so important. Um, and I think they will, that you will see more and more players drafted from interesting locations. Yeah, and I mean, um, talking a little bit more about like the KHL, VHL, MHL circuit. Um, Ivan Marosh uh, Nichenko, the left winger, Omskia uh, Krilia, uh, he's a, a right handed shot and he's a February 4th birthday. He's listed at um, 6'1 or 185 centimeters, 185 pounds, 84 kilograms for those who don't know how to convert so uh, he's listed to go between fourth through 11th in this year's draft so uh, and it says here elite skating shot size makes him tough to manage for opposing go Ivan is an elite skater and has an unbelievable shot. And then draft in Europe set but also a terrific that needs little room uh, maneuver and release. So to me, it sounds like play that Don Cherry style of uh, back checking and, you know, being a high danger scorer, but also playing a little further. If you really need. I guess. Yeah. But as um, Frederick is a little busy here. Uh, oh, sorry. It, I, it cut out for me. So I was like, I was like wondering if something had gone. I think the connection kind of went a bit weird. Oh, well, uh, I was just introducing uh, Ivan Marushnichenko. Yeah. Uh, like, they talked about, I mean, the sources on Elite Prospect talked about how he skating and his shot is very good. His size makes him tough to manage for opposing teams. And they say he not only is really scared, but he hits like a truck. So, And his shot is one of the best in the draft besides Juracek. Uh, yeah, and it kind of goes into again. What do you rate the most in terms of a player? Like again, that's a, that's a constant draft discussion that I always kind of find myself having. Like, what is the most valuable thing a prospect can have? Is it great skating? Is it an elite shot? Is it his IQ? Where is kind of where is that it that you value your prospect's ability? Because uh, it's very very easy to say, oh. This guy has that, but he doesn't have... So, again, it's, what is easiest to train? I think shot is some of the more difficult to train, even though you can get, like, say, shoot a puck a thousand times and you probably have a decent shot. Yeah, but taking a shot into NHL level is so difficult. So I think having a great shot, a great release as a or a difficult release to reach as a goalie 
is quite important. So, I, and I think that's difficult to teach someone. Um, vision, I think you can kind of teach, although again, you need a, some kind of idea of where everyone is on the ice to to make um, make everything work. Um, and then there's skating, which again, also very difficult to get for the end. So again, this, where do you recognize natural talents? And and I don't really know where you actually do that. Uh, it's always a fun debate to take with people. So, like, what I'm looking at his history right here from his days with Vityaz Podolsk is that he had 36 goals and 53 points and 25 games played. Look at and U18 numbers, 11 goals and 17 and 16 games played and goals and eight games played. And when he goes up from that tier, he scores twice his last goals in the MHL, which is the beginning to be in uh, the junior circuit. So he has five goals and 15 points in the MHL in last year, but he's uh, the same path, not exactly points wise, but goals wise. He's in a very uh, similar uh, pace, except four goals in 21 games played in the VHL, which is a little tougher, but I'd say that's a good problem for him to have. And I really like the idea of the spot, and I like skating. I need to know where he is um, as a two-way player, but I do see that he has battled to the uh, World Juniors. So, and Sportsnet and Bob McKenzie rank him uh, number two on their list, and seeing McKean's hockey put him at 11th as uh, the lowest. So, realistically, if I'm a team in the top 11 and he's not off the board right away, I'm a Russian player, but I think he might backtrack because of the commitment factor. Um, because some teams are a little bit impatient, but I think some teams are starting to go a little bit more with the uh, KHL player route. Yeah, also, again, like, people, yes, are getting impatient, but I can say this confidently as a Minnesota Wild fan. We made it beyond what was reasonable for Kirill Kaprizov, but he's, he has arrived, and he looks perfectly ready. Like, as bad as it was to wait a long, long time to see your player play in North America and play in Minnesota and all of that, the development you, a player can get if they get to really, really play good KHL minutes are, can be worth it because you get to play in what I consider the second best league in the world. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the, the most fucking I... statement in the world to make. Um, some people might say, oh, the AHL. I think the KHL is better. I think it has higher levels skill um, and it has more, not competitiveness, but it does have more, again, it's not necessarily, because of it's not being deliberately a farmer's league, um, and I say that in terms of like, the AHL is basically going to develop prospects. It's a developing league still. The KHL, oh no, there is one goal and that is to win. And no matter what, you don't care if you have a prospect that might be good in two years, don't care. They want to win each and every year. And that just creates so much more competition. And that 
teaches the players quite early on that if you want to stay, if you want to play top six minutes, you can't just do it by name only. You have to earn that name. And, um, and I think that's really where developing in the KHL is not bad. There is always a fear that they won't show up, but less and less Russians are doing it. More and more Russians know there's more money in the NHL, knows there's more possibilities in the NHL, knows that there is. it's just a better league where they want to be playing. Uh, that's where they grow up now watching online and everything like they grow up watching the NHL teams. They want to play over there, not in the KHL. Um, which is the KHL obviously isn't happy about that, but it just shows how players will come eventually. So it is worth sometimes taking a flyer on a on a Russian with a high skill set, even if there's a chance he might first come at the age of twenty four. Yeah, I mean, I will say this: like, I know I was shocked when the Devils picked Shakir Muhammadulin at the twentieth overall pick. But I would be both, by the way. <clears throat> I'm not completely surprised that they went off the board like that. It's not because of the Rangers getting Braden Schneider. I look at it in this way because I was told this from uh, listening to Tom Fitzgerald on the Speak of the Devils podcast. And during that uh, podcast, during that draft, he said that. He was watching Rodion Amira for uh, Ufa at the time and looking at the national team uh, for Russia. And he was like, who's this kid on defense? This kid's like really good mobile, has a really great shot on the power play. This guy's he's physical, but he's a little wiry. But I like this kid a lot. And um, the Devils in the KHL Russia, they they see a lot of potential in these kinds of players. And I can see why. And he kind of screams a little bit of uh, Chara with the tall and wiry presence. But the slap shot kind of is the outlier a little bit. But he's still his own player. And he still hits almost uh, 100 miles an hour. With mm-hmm. So I, I, for one, like, he's almost 20 years old. And he's playing, like, top minutes in the KHL, I mean, for allowing these players to cook a couple of years after their pick. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and that's as, as baffling that pick was, and in some regards still is, it's, it's again, it is that thing where he's slowly developing into a very, very stable defenseman in the KHL, one of the top defensemen there. And for the most part, the, at, if you could do that at the age of 20, there's a good chance you can make it to the NHL and become a quite a, become a top four defenseman at minimum, I would say. Um, like I know there's players who have looked extremely good in the KTL who's never worked out in um, in uh, the NHL, like Nikita Rusev is the most apparent answer. I know he had, a, had one and a half maybe season where it was like, maybe he can get back into the style, but Again, there is players who always do that, does that, but also you have the Panarins, you have Kaprizov, you have more and more people who come from, directly from the KHL and start really, really making their presence known from day one. And I think he could be one, for sure. And so um, another guy that um, we talked about yet would be another KHL guy for Metalurg Nidigorsk, um, Daniela Yeo. Uh, so he's a right winger 
on that team. And he's a Chelyabinsk uh, Russian native. Uh, he's a, a late uh, December birthday on the 22nd of December. So happy birthday to him in advance. <laughs> uh, so he is ranked between fourth through ninth on elite prospects. So it, it reads like this um, on EP ringside. He's a strong skater, proficient at reading the ice to find open space, then attacking it, then nice of skill, strength, and shooting. And then draft in Europe goes in this sentence is strong skating and puck protection, tough to handle when given space to rush down the wing. So this kind of sounds like a really good, not a safe pick, but a really trustworthy pick um, from what I'm gathering. Because stats-wise, in the KHL uh, in 2021, he only had one goal, one assist in 21 games. But in the MHL, he's developed to be a 13-12 to 12 goal to assist type player in 23 games. And now if you look at him um, in 21-22, three goals and nine assists in six games played. And he only played 18 games in the KHL. Uh, I think again, for, he's one of those players that I think just be He's a safe pick. Um, he he would be because he is a strong skater, and I think a lot of scouts really like that. Uh, I think they feel like they can they can really really develop those kind of players into something good. Um, I think he is a good player. Uh, you've seen it in um, in his MHL years, which again. He's 17 and he's played 18 games in the KHL. You do not do that by default. Like that, that becomes that is so difficult to do. Yes, his point total is great, but again, I also know that he plays on the fourth line, which again means that he probably to stay 18 games on the fourth line probably means you work pretty well. Like his skating, while he isn't producing uh, producing too many goals, he's also only a minus one. Which means that he is good at keeping the bug out of it. That is not not nothing. That is very very important. And I think he is someone. You mentioned European drafting. European Europe kind of mentioned it that he is very very good at puck protection. He doesn't lose the puck. He's someone who basically can stop, who can give the top guys a rest, while making sure that nothing happens. And that is very valuable at that age. I think at as he grows, he will develop more and more offense to his game and more and more kind of uh, – he will establish himself more and more in the KHL and get more, more of a leading role, which will make him a very interesting pick, I think. I could see him being someone we talk about in like five years and being like, where did this kid come from? Oh, he has just played in the KHL for a long, long, long time and did there. Like, I know it's getting – I mean, looking at projections, I look at him maybe four seasons – because, you know, if some kids are, like, ready at age 20, 21, 22 maybe, if you're adding a fifth year, um, usually you don't want your first-round pick to go um, that long. But for him, it sounds like maybe a minimum after three years just developed to be, like, a 21-year-old. 
and be within that time span how develop into a player. But I mean, you do have other picks that you can go with uh, from Europe. We haven't talked about Brad Lamb yet, but um, we're really talking about you. Do you have players? Hey. Sorry, I'm sorry, I interrupted that. Sorry, I, I, my <laughs> connection went out and then I thought it went up. My bad. So, like, uh, <clears throat> we talked a lot about these. Uh, um, I definitely really like the idea of Yurov, but I think, you know, he like him will take a little bit longer than, let's say, a Brad Lambert. Oh, yeah. Um, Brad Lambert, I think, again, there, there is that thing about drafting the Russians. More than likely, they will have two or three seasons in the KHL before they arrive to the NHL. Um, and during that time, they more than likely have a contract signed in a KHL Cup, which binds them. So you can't just, for instance, call them up to the AHL or test them out in North America too much. In the Swedish and Finnish leagues, it's a bit easier to get players um, to move to to North America. I know another name, Minnesota, tried to um, convince Jesper Volstead, um, who currently plays in Sweden. Um, he was There was talks about him going to uh, play in the juniors rather than uh, the SHL this season. But um, due to some circumstances, he actually got to play in the SHL. And I think Lulio is probably more than happy about that yeah. uh, deal. Um, but... You see that more often that players will only sign like a year in Sweden or Finland uh, after they're drafted so that they can move over to the AHL right away and, and get more playing time in North America because to get used to the surf, ice surface and everything like that, kind of the rink size, there's so many things that's different. Um, and again, Lambert could be one that kind of benefits from this a little bit. I think a lot of play. A lot of people saw last year's season and saw the season before that and went, oh, good Lord, this is a guy who is up there with Sean Wright. Like, he's that good. People who saw the juniors uh, last time, he was flying in the juniors. He was such a good player. He has been a bit slow this season. Like, he has only has four points in 16 games. He hasn't quite hit the levels I think people had expected of him. Um... And in some degrees, he has exactly been like outshined by um, Joachim Kimmel. So it is that kind of kind of weird to see. But I think Brad Lambert is a pick that a lot of people have on the draft. And I, what I feel could happen, and this sounds really, really ridiculous, but he might be someone like Aturatu, who last year went all the way down to 50th, where the Islanders scooped him up, and the day afterwards, he scored a hat-trick. <laughs> and I still think he's doing good. Like, like it, it's, it's one of those that could drop very much from where he was originally predicted. And some team is going to get a an absolute gem for that pick. That's kind of how I see with his stats going this season. Um, if he has a slightly lackluster juniors as well, that's what I could see happen. That he becomes like a pick that falls down a draft order like ridiculously. And suddenly like some team... Like that's really good. Like that has that eye on and sees that this was just a fluke season. Could be having a player like out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I mean, um, last year, like, the Islanders did take the flyer on uh, Atu Ratu, and I watched plenty of Brad Lambert last year for Finland, and to me, he was one of the key reasons why Sweden was unable to beat Finland in um, the qualifying rounds or even getting close into it, and he, to me, was a driving force, and because he uses six-foot frame... A lot. I a game, and he he's very like assertive in playing that style. And of course, I mean, I see that you know he's written to be a dynamic offensive player with great speed. I agree with that. I tend to think what I see in him, he's going to be maybe a Corey Perry guy or Ryan Getzloff, mm-hmm. like a Getzloff type uh, forward when he gets to the NHL because he plays that North American style of hockey um, at an international game. And I can see him developing. And if any team gets him later after 17th past Craig Button's pick, I think you're going with a, a very interesting player. Like he's someone where like some team like, say Minnesota or some team that's maybe have been going to that's building up that prospect pool and like sees the future within the next three years he could be such a good part of that like coming in as a rookie then and just being again because he's so dynamic yes so much x factor to his game Um, you mentioned the game against Sweden he was everywhere on the ice like he every time he was on the ice it felt like Finland had momentum that was the only time it really felt like Finland had things rolling and really had control of the game. That's the type of player he is. He is such a dangerous player when he gets the time and space to do it. Like he is so explosive, and I think that that becomes comes a player that I think people um, could sleep on just because the season's that and not really consider that too much of a. Like doesn't consider how good of a player he actually is. And then um, another player I'm interested in, uh, defenseman uh, David Yurichek. And to me, like, he has one of the top shots in the draft. And I don't like, like, like players, other players. But to me, his, his two-way play reminds me, like, a little bit of, I would say – Trying to think of the top of my head. Reminds me a bit Pasternak with that slap shot. I think I think that's actually a very fair comparable because I'm pretty sure he, he plays for the same team that Pasternak did. And I think I've heard some rumors that in the offseason he did practice slap shots or, or shots with Pasternak. Uh, I think I've heard some kind of rumor about that. Uh, so I think you have on something that his shot is very similar. Obviously, again, it's 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 probably not of the same caliber. Uh, he probably won't get as many points. He's a year defenseman, um, which I think again just shows how interesting it, like how how much of a, an interesting pick it is. That he has that kind of shot that you compare directly to um, to Pasternak. It's very very heavy, very very forceful shot that he has. Um, I don't know if I think he's the best defenseman out there. Uh, I still think uh, that's Simon uh, um, Nemec. I think that's how I pronounce him. 
I still think he's slightly better. Um, he's a more overall rounded, well playing defenseman. I think in terms of shot, he has the best one in in the in the draft of defenseman for sure. I just feel I, like Nemeth is a bit more well rounded. I would like to see well anyone from Czechia or Slovakia listening to this episode. <laughs> love to see. Meshar, Nemec go up against uh, a guy like David Yerichek and see what they can do offensively because, you know, these are two rival countries when they play hockey. If you ever want to see a fun game of hockey, go watch uh, Czech Republic versus one of two countries, Russia or Slovakia. Those games are mental. They are so... Like, feisty from start to finish. There is so much bad blood there, and it's absolutely glorious. And and fans went nuts. I remember, um, what was it, uh, the Czechs. I think it was the Czechs who absolutely destroyed, uh, uh, what's his name, Yaroslav Askarov. Um, oh, yeah. In, in their own, no, it was the Slovaks, because it was in Košice. So... Or I'm 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 get I'm remembering something from a few World Juniors ago. I'm trying to remember, but I remember Skarov got poured on that game. I'm looking it up now. So if you find something to talk about in the meantime, I'll have it up. I I think it was Slovakia because I remember what's his name, um, the right-handed shot, the the, the defenseman. Uh, he was just a, a he was a I, th- I think actually it was in Czech Republic because it was in um I think it was in Ostra. Uh, because yeah, you have it Yannick, uh, who scored like with and completely destroyed Askarov. I remember watching it because Patrick Eliash was the assistant coach for the Czech team that year. Yeah, that's true. And I remember seeing the the Czech bench just jumping up and down, but like, I just remember the whole crowd just like going bonkers as if they won the gold medal that day. <laughs> Trust me, if you can beat the Russians as the Czech Republic, you that is their gold medal game. They, it, it it's as satisfying for them to beat Russia as it is to win the gold medal against Canada, for instance. Like it is, it means so much to them. Or, or not to rub it into my, my Canadian friend's face, but um, it's like when Team USA beats an undefeated Canada team in the gold medal round. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fun <laughs> thing about that tournament, by the way, just to finish up that thing, was actually Russia even made it to the final, where they then faced Canada, was up 3-1 three to, three to one with 10 minutes to go, and then Canada won 4-3 in regulation. Just to finish up, it was heartbreaking in Ostra for the Russians. And I remember when Canada scored. There wasn't that many Canadian fans there, but it was all Czech celebrating. <laughs> it's like a like a two a two nation uh switch over to the other nation again. Oh yeah. They they will do that in an instant. They they paid to watch them lose, which is beautiful. Um Anyways, we talked about Simon Nimesh, the Slovak right defenseman. I actually wrote stuff about him. So it's like, I wrote Simon can do a better job on uh, pass completion part of his game. He can uh, 
shoot and get uh, loose pucks uh, up ice. Uh, very good neutral zone transition game into the offensive uh, zone entries. Uh, very supportive along uh, the wall on defense, taking the pass out of uh, danger. He is more of a setup guy than he is a shooter. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? I I do. Again, for me, what it is with uh, with Nemec is he probably doesn't have the best shot or even close to it. However, his vision of the game is so beyond his years. He's played such a mature game. Like, as as you mentioned in, in what you wrote, he plays the puck super smart. He makes the smart breakout passes. He makes the smart passes uh, to the open open guys in the offensive zones. He's an extremely clever defenseman uh, who just sees the game in a spectacular way. And that's also what I mean about, like, you see it in his stats. Nine assists. He doesn't have a goal. He has nine assists. But that's what I mean about. I think he's a more complete defenseman than uh, David Yeritic. Um I just think he has a little bit extra um, to his game. Um, I think he's he has that defensive mindedness as well. I think it's important. And I wrote in the last part of the paragraph. Um, I wrote he does a great job uh, squaring himself up to the opposition and can shoot the puck and needs to use it more uh, to raise his potential. If he can improve his defense woes and continue even more offensively, he could be a better player than Marek Zielitski. I agree with that. that. Like, again, again, he does probably need to learn how to be a little bit more physical of a person because he has the body to be that. He isn't a small guy. He has the body to be a very, very threatening uh, body as well. And and if he learns to do that, I think he he could be a very interesting player. Uh, but again, he is only 17. He has a few. He has a bit of time to still grow a little bit and like also kind of grow bigger muscle mass. I think that's important. Like. People just look at weight and then assume everything is muscle. Not necessarily. If he could grow a little bit more muscle to that body and like use it a little bit more frequently, especially in front of the net, I think he will become a very, very, very uh, sneaky pick. Um, he's someone I have in my top five of my draft. I probably have him higher than most have, but I feel like he deserves to be there. To me, he's going to be one of the top European players. Um, in my top 10, at least top five. So I like to appraise him as like one of the top five Europeans that I have. So I'm with you on this one. And um, I'm, I'm not sure what you've written about Mish, uh, Nemec, but uh, I do have a little bit of uh, Mishar. Um, I, I didn't read too much. I didn't right anything about um, Nemec. I just have like a personal note that I, whenever I watch the games, I always feel like he dominates defensively. I mean, I was like impressed by this effect and how smart he is. Like that's that's my main takeaway from it, from the games I watched. Like always how mature and how smart he plays the game. Yeah. Um. So what I've noticed about Meshar is that he he has that compete level of shiftiness for a right-handed skater. He can really like step into the puck on a slap shot, snapshot, and 
the wrist shot with a lot of accuracy, and I think the energy level he brings with his skating can be a bit of the wild card factor that will make teams rethink um, their late first, uh, early second round picks. You know who he kind of, again, I mentioned him before, but he reminds me a lot about someone like um, Malad Kuznetinov. Um, he has a bit of that spring to his game, like that that energy to his skating, for instance, uh, and energy to his shift. Like, and again, he's kind of predicted the same boat as him, like it, down in like 30th to like like mid 30, like same area. And I think he could bring a lot of the same there. Um, and I think he is probably a guy who will go in that area as well. Um, and as a late pick, I think you could do a lot worse than picking Misha. And I mean, um, I do like to think of like if you know, these guys can play better than uh, Simon Kubitschek, you know, who became an, an overager. And I don't know the state of what, what happened to him, but if any of them can stay above that tier, they'll be a really good cut pick um, in this year's draft uh, coming out of Europe. Yeah, I agree. Like, there are just – I think there's so many interesting players this um this draft uh, and i think it is kind of kind of the interesting thing about this draft is there's a lot of players who is available i actually think it's a really deep draft this year um you can mention a lot of players you could well mention um jack hughes is there as well like he's down probably in that same area as um mesha so you have players who are in my opinion very interesting and and I'm I'm gonna be interested in seeing how this draft goes. I think a lot of it becomes apparent during the World Juniors, especially, um, where also another guy to kind of watch an eye for, um, at least in terms of like newer prospects, uh, is probably gonna be the guy who's probably gonna be uh, be playing either with or next or below Marco Rossi for Austria. Marco um, Kaspar uh, plays in Brooklyn currently. I think he could be interesting as well. And so you mentioned um, the the new Austrian kid. So I noticed last year that Austria had a bunch of like 22s and 23s, mostly 23 birthdays. Um, what do you think about the Austrians? Austria is an interesting one. Um, they they have a very very interesting. I don't know lineup, but they they have players coming up where you are a little bit. Uh, I think it's it becomes apparent that they have some skill. Like Marco Rossi, don't need an interrupt introduction. Like he is he is good for for like so many reasons. Like if you've seen how he plays in the AHL so far, you, he he's been one of the top dominators there. But you have people as well like Marco um, Caspar, who is coming up. Um, like. It isn't just as I don't think there's walkovers anymore in hockey. I don't think there is a lot of walkovers, at least in the top levels of hockey. Like, sure, we might still see see um, what was it like last year? We had like a games that went ten to nothing. Sure, there is still that, but I don't think it's the same kind of ten nothing games that we sometimes see. Usually, it's a bit more competitive. There is a, that extra spark. There's at least like a player or two that can play at that level. Um, and 
for us, Austria, I think Marco Rossi should play down there. I think that's likely that he will. Um, and then you have Marco Caspar as well, who will play um, with Austria, um, who I think will get a little bit less attention, but I think he has a spark that could be very intriguing. And I think Austria is doing a lot of the same thing, but so is a lot of teams in Europe. I think Denmark has obviously kind of been through a bit of a development. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is there. Um, now dominating Frederick Anderson, you have a few goalies that do as well, as well coming up um, to maybe be the next one. So I think just the world of hockey is in general just developing um, into more and more of a worldwide sport with more and more countries competing and being way more competitive than they have ever been. Yeah, for me, like I've noticed, like, you know, we talked about earlier, like, sweet, like, besides the Swedens of the, the world, like, you see Germany, Switzerland developing. We know that Uzbekistan is far off in Kazakhstan, but due to the fact that, you know, the Soviet Union uh, had a lot to do with developing those nearby countries with the hockey uh, growth, and we're starting to see, like, players that came out of, uh, like, those nearby countries, like Nick Antropov did. We've seen guys like... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anton Hudobin from uh, mm-hmm. Kazakhstan. So, uh, but he's ethnically Russian, but he's born in uh, Kazakhstan. So, you you're looking at um, a new ge- like like you and I have been talking about a generational growth of hockey, and um, Poland and Lithuania are in, like I think the Group B, uh, like the Tier Two. So yep. you're looking at Poland, Lithuania as developing countries that could possibly uh, beat out the Norways of the of that tier. You look at other guys as well, like other te- Like I think that the next country I would look at a little bit is probably the UK. I think with them actually going to the top levels of hockey for a few seasons, I think that massively boosts the game over there. Um, I think they could be interesting. I think I know. Italy is hosting an Olympics soon. Mm-hmm. I think in, in in four years, I think Italy is going to host it. Uh, that should also grow their game. Denmark for 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 the twelve is finally qualified for the Olympics for both men and women. It's going to got just continue to grow the game. Um, just having these small nations get these experiences to play the best, it's just going to diminish. Diminish the gap. I, I wrote an article, like I think it was last World Juniors or a little bit before, how important it is to have these small nations uh, experience how it is to play against Canada, the US, Russia, and even have these blowouts that you sometimes see where it's like 15-0 and you go, what happened? Why is this competitive? Why is this, this is just, you feel pity with the opponents. But none of, none of the people who write that tend to ask the players of the country what they actually feel about it. And for me, it's such an important thing to ask, do the players of these nations feel proud after that? For the most part, they would say yes. I mean, for, um, like, you know, in 22, if, you know, everything COVID-19 cases-wise goes well and things stay at bay with the advancements of therapeutics from Merck and Pfizer... Um, if that is the case and it holds up, they go into China with these other existing countries for the Olympics. 
we should be able to see how um, China's national team plays against, you know, maybe a, a Norway or um, Sweden. And, you know, go from there and see how, you know, whether they get blown out or they play competitive. And if they play better than expected, this is going to be great for the people of China in the mainland to feel proud that, you know, kind of like when they did with basketball, they were able to build a reputation internationally in a growing sport. And now, um, I'm not sure if you know this, but the Devils actually have um, TV rights with China to have them watch Devils games from abroad. Mm-hmm. So well, it is just there's a lot to... like. Um, I noticed, by the way, uh, I noticed because of uh, the team I support, Denmark currently plays the Continental Cup um, over in Europe, and uh, one of the teams they were playing was um, the Sheffield Steelers from uh, the UK. They have packages where you can buy a ticket for a Sheffield game, and then you also get like a service to watch a Rangers game or a Devils game or whatever. So it is growing that way, and I think it's 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 a good way to do it. Um, and again, the more you people get their eyes up for hockey and the NHL and everything, the more exposure hockey just gets, and the better it is for the sport in general. Like, yes, Canada might not win all the time if every country gets better, but hey, that's probably good for the sport. Yeah, like um, you talk about that. Um, like if you go on elite prospects, like there are leagues in Latvia, Slovakia, uh, Belarus, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Poland, Bulgaria, Estonia, Lithuania, uh, even Israel. There is um, in South Africa, um, Australia. Now there are leagues in uh, there's the the Korean uh, College League, and then there's Japan and China, and then there's the um, the Hong Kong one, which is the CIHL. And so, and even in Italy, there's a, there's several, and there's the Alps hockey league, which by the way, is an actual a really, really good league. Uh, I can tell that's, that's not nothing. league. That is actually a league where a lot of, I want to say like, I, like, I want to say it's on the same level as an, as the East CHL. Like I think it's on that kind of level, so it's by no mean an easy league to get into. And even Bosnia, Croatia, Serbia, Slovenia, Turkey have a, have have a league in Southern Europe. Yep, it it is starting to grow slowly. Like also in like the Bal- Balkan countries and everything. So so it is getting more and more worldwide, and I think that's just for the better. Yeah, and. It's also good to see, like, France has one, um, Hungary has one, of course, Belarus. Um, like, those, like, those countries already have presences. And even uh, Switzerland has a bunch of them. Germany has the DEL to DEL2 to Oberliga, yeah. all the other ones. And, yes, you did bring up the fact that there is an English Ice Hockey League and there's um, even the Scottish National League which is great to see along with uh, the Netherlands has the B E N E Liga. So that's, I think that's supposed to be uh, Belgium Netherlands uh, league. If I think that's the acronym for. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is because, uh, because there's a phrase called Daniel Lux, which would be Belgium Netherlands and uh, Luxembourg. And I've already been to both the Netherlands and uh, Belgium. Mm-hmm. 
And and again, it is just it's so much fun to see hockey. It, it's it's a different atmosphere. But if you ever get a chance to, I can only recommend, especially if you come from North America, try and go watch a game in Germany or Sweden. It is a completely different experience because of how the fans operate. I think that's a very different thing. I don't know if you ever tried to go to an SHL or DHL game. I actually plan on it, actually. It's on my bucket list. I can only recommend it because you are going to get a minor culture shock from what you're used to in America. Because where usually the hockey dictates the fans in North America, like fans go to see hockey. I always kind of said that Europeans go to hockey both to watch it, but also to be a part of the supporting cast for the game. Like they want to sing, they want to dance, they want to damn near sometimes try and set this set the arena on fire if they can. <laughs> like it, it is no joke. They will find ways to make as much noise and have smoke and mirror, like put up so much. It becomes almost like a not war, but it becomes a kind of like like tribal. We need to scare the other team away from our home rink. It's kind of that atmosphere you have, <laughs> which is such a fun difference. And it's it just brings in that that kind of mentality has come into the game in hockey in Europe. And while a lot of people say, oh, the NHL is the perfect or not perfect, we, we know it isn't the perfect. We've known that for at least the last yeah. few months. But there is that thing where the NHL is the best league in the world, and it absolutely is. There's no denying it, but that doesn't mean you can't learn from some of the other leagues and how they operate. And I think fans is probably one of the places I would change a few things if I could do that um, in the NHL, like how they portray well, the game. One of the things that I would complain about would be like, you know, the season take a holder stuff, like like the wealthy ones would be like, oh, like, like in New Jersey, we had um, like a cheering section and like they were pretty loud and like we had like, like kind of like a supporters club, but the people in the platinum lounge or whatever it's called now today, they, they were like, these people are too loud. They're ruining our experience. Like, so they had to get rid of that thing. But now like uh, fans start chanting in unison. They'll get, go that. Um, I'm not sure if you watched um, Seinfeld, like with David Putty, like he starts like a let's go devils chant. Like, um, there's a guy to this day uh, named uh, Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N-N. He hmm. is like our like everyday uh, David Putty, but starting the the Devils chant. So like everyone like when they hear him clap, they just stay quiet and then they actually join in the clapping and they give in to the Let's Go Devils chant. Like give me a D, give me an E, give me a V. Okay. Like he feels the energy in the whole crowd and. I even caught on to it. So over the years. again, that that for me just sounds very normal in Europe. You have one who we this is the most weird thing. Sometimes we have like one guy who then he doesn't watch the game. He watches the fans. He's like in his own little box, like almost like metal box. And then he just have a mi- microphone and he just get everyone to sit, to go do things in unison, like chants and whatever they can think about. And yeah, it is that thing where who do you cater for? Do you cater for the one who pays the most? That makes sense in a lot of ways. 
but at the same time, it should probably also cater for the everyday man, like everyday man or woman who goes to these games, who wants to be there for the experience of seeing it. Who, but again, it, it's a it's a difficult question, and it's it's I understand the, both principles of it. I just wish it was more a little bit more rowdy sometimes, a little bit more actually creative, <laughs> because. As great as the Let's Go champs are, it, it can only be heard so many times throughout a game before you go, can't you sing anything else? Right. I will I will say this. Like, I've been to uh, Devils games in the playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs back in 2012. And the, the whole potential center gets very electric. Not just, like, when a goal is scored, but, like, people, like, they'll get rocking, they'll get rolling. Like, their blood, like, just you know, gets rumbling, like, knowing that it is playoff mania. So it's like they know, like, they live and breathe, like, the playoffs. Like, they just take it up several notches after the regular season. But, like, when you win, like, the playoff spot, everyone goes nuts. It's 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 amazing. But, like, one of the things I want to see more of is uh, singing in unison, um, yeah. I want to see fight songs. I want to see that. Like we have goal songs and everything, but we don't have that like football game day uh, European style chant rally. Yeah, and 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 the thing with me that I don't get personally, which is in when you watch football um, in Europe, um, or soccer, it's called in in America. Um, yeah. it, <laughs> It is that thing where one of the things that I remember always being told when I was growing up and still is told is that the fans influence the game. If the fans are loud enough, they can affect the ref decisions. They can affect how the other team plays the game. And you hear that still from time to time, how a building alone can change a match. That's the thing for me. I don't get why you wouldn't want to help your team, help your team win by almost any mean necessary. If it is that you have to chant, um, chant um, to scare off the other team and make them worry, if it is to have flags flying around the arena, like them near setting off, off the smoke detectors, yeah. if that's what it takes to make the other team, as soon as they walk in, feel that they are in a place where they know everyone hoping I fail and put that pressure on them right from the get-go. That's what you need to do as a fan. Like, <laughs> if you can make the fans get out of the mindset of like focus mindset, focus mindset. Like I just need to play my game. It's it's a normal game. I don't need to. I don't feel any pressure. If you can get into the players' heads <coughs> and make them almost scared of having the puck, that changes complexions quite a lot. Um, it is that thing where I also wish kind of a thing that I really really would like in the NHL. Have an away section. This is where the away fans go. So if, for instance, if the New Jersey Devils play the New York Rangers, the Rangers fan goes in one part of the arena. The Devils fans go in another. Because the Rangers fan can organize their chance. The Devils fans can respond to that. I think that creates more of a, a fun dynamic in that arena. Yeah, like it reminds me in college sports, well, college American football like at Rutgers University there's like a student section and then you have like 
I think at one time they had an away section for a little while, but then like, you know, they just allowed as many home fans to buy tickets. But the problem is with that, uh, people rather stick at the tailgates and eat their own food unless it's like uh, a really top team. But like with the NHL, I, I would see no problem adding an away section. I just think it'd be like, a certain percentage of people that they would have for, but like the, the problem is like, there's this joke I always have. Why do the Ranger fans can't afford to go to games at uh, Madison square garden? Oh no, I can't afford a game against the garden because it's too expensive. So that's why there's an influx of Ranger fans coming to uh Prudential center when the doubles host the Rangers. In my European mind, there, right? But like, that's already like material enough to make a bloody good trend against them if you wanted to. Like, you could easily make a chain out of that um, if if you had the creativity to do it and the people around you to like a fan section, for instance. You would have the creativity to make a chain out of fun stories like that, fun like mockeries of other teams. You could make that absolutely. So, for me, it's it, those kind of jokes. That's what you make chance of in European. Sports. <laughs> also, I feel like we went on the biggest tantrum about anything but prospects for the longest. I, I think in your and if you were to go to a wild game and you'd make fun of someone else, is you'd have to say, "Well, it took you so many hours to cross our uh, state border in Minnesota, so I guess that means you're pretty foreign to us." Oh, yeah. I trust me. That's a big like. I I would make. I could make chance for the Minnesota Wilds and I'm, I'm almost tempted to as the first time I go if I can try and figure out how to go with enough people like just go okay I have this we try and see if we can make this a chance I will try but it's some European stuff on it I need to figure out who we're playing you, like, you're gonna have to like create like a like 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 a new like Minnesota Wild fan like shirt or jersey, and you're gonna have to put like your uh, local like you know logos on it. Like from Denmark, you're gonna have to put the sponsor logos on. I I'm planning on uh, wearing a Danish flag when I go to the Wild game first time, like having a Wild flag on my back, or like a Danish flag on my back or something. You're gonna have to do like a Danish flag patched onto your uh, short shirt or jersey. Like, like I'm jealous. Like Calgary, uh, like the flames they use the 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 provincial flag along flag on their uh, shoulder patches, and I'm like, I would love to see the New Jersey Devils put the New Jersey state flag on the shoulder of the jersey and put the u.s flag and maybe the canadian flag on it because we have always have had players from canada so it's like to me it would make sense but um it would be something worth a debate for oh yeah oh yeah but yeah like stuff like that it's always fun when you kind of have those patches i guess and again having those always i think this makes the jersey a little bit more interesting for me, but um, but yeah, like I, I could, by the way, while we were talking, I kind of went like, for instance, say, I know what I would sing if the Wild were playing either the Coyotes or um, 
or Florida, I was just saying we have more fans from Denmark than you have fans in your own arena. Like something like that. And <laughs> just have find a melody for it and just go with that. And and again, if you could get enough people to sing that, that becomes funny. Because that gets picked up on a broadcast. And then a lot of people hear it. Some might say, oh, well, that's cringe to sing. Oh, it's also kind of funny. It, it, it's kind of like like how I put it this way. It's like we like have broadcasts that try and tune out like the goal song on replay. But if people keep chanting and singing during that time span and they just keep doing it, it's going to be near like impossible to drain out those people. So I tend to think that if, you know, fans in the NHL come up with their own things, like I know like every time Ryan Miller would play a game at Winnipeg that they would keep chanting silver medal to him all the time. Oh, ow. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) I, I would always, uh, Someone with a Lundqvist jersey on, and I would say, "What's going on, King? Nothing. How many cups do you have? You only have bowls to serve out of." Oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like, have something like that. Like mockeries of that. Like, as long as it doesn't become like super personal, go for it. Like that's that's fine. Mark. Like sporting events is like what you should like. Chanting silver medal is a good one. For instance, for say it is Olympic. Um, Mackenzie Blackwell uh, is in that Canada loses. I would expect others to the final. I would expect people to go after him, like stuff like that. Like, like uh, Blackwood. I mean, the thing about him is like he's one of like several goaltenders for Canada that could easily suit up for that position. Canada has a luxury box problem. They well, I'm not sure if Carey Price is going to make it back in time. Uh, and even if he's he comes back a little bit, would you take him at this point? If I'm Hockey Canada and I'm not trying to be biased from an American side, I would have to well go with Blackwood to be safe, and then you would also have to look at how well Carter Hart's doing. Oh yeah, because like, Carter Hart is pretty much bailing out the flyers as much as he can. To me, Kanahad is a starter. Kanahad is a starter. I don't think there's any real debate about that uh, for Canada right now. If he keeps that play up, he's going to start in the Olympics. You have you have two aces in Blackwood and Hart in that, and they're both young guys. It's not going to be like the Brodeur versus Luongo situation. Oh, no. But you got two young potential goaltenders that can really fight for a spot and, you know, try and, you know, make a little good jealousy uh, in net. You also, you also have Bennington actually, who is also playing. Well, he's still being weird, but he's playing extremely well. Uh, So he would also be a candidate. I think like, I think team USA is also kind of interesting. I am just because we now talk about the Olympics. Like, who do you pick for them in terms of netminders? Netminders? Well, God. John Gibson, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I would have to go with Spencer Knight. I, I mean, 
I I did trash on him the other game when he let up like what six goals at the Prudential Center, but then he redeemed himself the next time around. But um, he's still a young guy. I wouldn't mind rolling with Spencer Knight as a number two. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have a young guy learning on the fly to be a, you know, a, a, an Olympic caliber player. So you want, you want to get them early as possible. Oh yeah. You want them to have the Olympic um, uh, kind of experience as well. It's always, if you have been in the Olympic city, you know what that's like, you know what it's like to do the opening ceremony. You know what it's, like seeing the games happen, I think that's important. Um, for me, I have three goalies that I would pick, and none of them is spent tonight. I can understand the argument for him. John Gibson makes all the sense in the world. Fatter Demko, I think, is hard to get around as well. Like Fatter Demko or Connor Hellebuck. <coughs> but I would have Jack Campbell as my starter. I think the way Jack Campbell's playing is so incredible that you cannot look past it. I think one of the deciding factors for me would be if I'm Hockey USA, USA Hockey, I would talk to the GMs of the NHL teams of those goaltenders and see if they want them to play for the country or not. And that would be the go-to decision. And then everything goes from there. Yeah, I think if I had free choice, I would have Jack Campbell. Like he's, it's ridiculous what he's doing. Like he's a nine forty four save percentage. I, that is unheard of. Like I'm sorry, how? That's almost ninety five percent. That is incredible. Like he's he has allowed less than two goals per game on average. Like that. That is the, some of the best stats I have ever seen from a goalie. Like Jack Campbell right now wins the Vesna. and that uh, that is not even a question for me. Um, and you can take that. You cannot call that leaf bias because I have no leaf bias at all. Uh, but yeah, Jack Campbell uh, for me is a is a guarantee. But it is going to be interesting when this, when we get closer to the Olympics and hopefully has the NHL with us. Yeah. That- as- yeah, as long as like the pan the pandemic situation is under control, and as long as the NHL does opt out at the exactly. last or two, we will see um, what other um, nations are doing for their national teams. Oh yeah, it's gonna be really really interesting when when that becomes. A t- First, we have the obvious conversation about the the junior teams, like. We have the obvious discussion, I think, currently with what I can see, at least in Sweden, is like, who starts for Sweden? Will it be Kelle Klang from Rögle or will it be Jesper Wallstedt? I think, personally, I would probably pick Wallstedt as my starter. But yeah, then you have other team, other discussions doing uh, for Canada, for the US, who starts for them in the juniors. and But after that, everything's going to focus on to the Olympics. Yeah, for me, like, Wallstead would make a whole lot of sense. And given the fact that, you know, if for some reason, you know, they choose to go with Noel Gundler for Wing or whoever they want to go with this um, World Juniors, like, 
Russia over the history, I will always go with the 19 year olds over the 18 year olds for the most mm-hmm. part. But uh, there's been always that one exception where they have that under 18 player make it in. So usually, like, um, it was, I forget the, the oh, it was, uh, I can't re- remember the guy's name, but. It was Igor Larionov that was the coach that succeeded. Um, Tretak? What was that? Wasn't it Tretak? Vandersov Tretak? Yeah. It was him. And Larionov was able to get the most out of his uh, not-so-high-caliber team last year, which to me is good. But, like, Valerie Brogan usually gets a ton out of his players. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and again, it's it's also going to be a lot of a, a lot of the things comes into I think coaching, which for me is actually quite interesting um, when you have um, European coaches. And I always love that in the in the juniors where you see that kind of European coaching style and how it works against sometimes North American hockey, um, with someone like um, like we saw Larianov try with Russia. Um, but you also have Patrick Fisher has done it. I remember um, Richard Gunball uh, from Sweden a couple of years ago. Like you have these kind of really, really, really strong personalities, and I've always been like, why do the NHL not try one of these as a coach uh, for an NHL team and see what happens? You know, the other coach that I like that coaches for teams who was doing the World Juniors last year. Um, he has um, Uri Slavkovsky on his team, and I would like to see him be the uh, coach for Finland, given the fact that they fared better than Sweden. And having to coach against a guy like Slavkovsky will give them more insight against Slovakia. So, given the fact that they also have um, another guy in um, Alpo Suhonen gives them another guy to lean on. I agree. Like, I, those kind of players are so needed for... like It's, it's just needed. Um, and it's got to be so much fun for... to see how that pans out this year um, with Finland and see if they can they can have that um, spark that I think they had, especially last year. And so, like... Do you think with Finland uh, going into the Olympics, do you see like the obvious guys like Rantanen, uh maybe um, what's his name, Kapo Kako? If he warms up, do you think he will make it? Um, Kako Kapo is an interesting one uh, because by all metrics, he should. He always performs extremely well whenever he goes with Finland, it seems like. I think you have the very obvious guys. Um, obviously, Aho is going to go. There's no doubt Aho and Tadamine is not going to play together. Wh- they wh- always do. Which Aho? Carolina or... Uh... Uh, Carolina, Sebastian Aho. Like, Carolina has two players who is absolutely going for Sweden and El Finland, there's no doubt about. Tadamine is going to play with Aho. That much is set in stone. I don't think that's any dispute. That's almost as secure as Crosby's playing with Bergeron and... Um, Oh, not first run, Marchand and um, God, what's the last one? Um, Marchand, Marchand, yeah, 
you you know that that they are going to play together. You know that old guard is going to play together. You probably also know McKinnon's going to play with um, with Huberto and McDavid. You know those kind of things. This I think threat line. Yeah, exactly. And I think for Finland, uh, with their Olympic team, I'm like looking at it. I think they have so many really, really, really strong players. However, I am also a little bit in doubt if Kako makes it. I think he will. But I don't think he will have a have such a fantastic... I don't think he will have a major role, necessarily. Um, it might favor in his, in his role. Oh, yeah. It could do. I think, again, Sebastian Aho, if... Alexander Barkov makes it and he becomes healthy. He'll probably, he is absolutely there. I think one of the things that Kako, Kako needs to do is he will probably be battling with someone like uh, Jesper Kotkaniemi or, um, or Eric Haula or something like that to make the team. I think that's where the interest comes. Um, even Anton Lundell, I think, is having a better shot. I think Lundell is probably more likely to make the team than than Capo is. To me, like when I watched him in his uh draft year and I watched him play at the uh like to me Lundell's a good big body to have. He's more of a setup guy, but he's not like a flashy like set the the place on fire type player. Certainly like a more like lunch pail worker type that um like he's a safe pick to have whether it's a national team or you know even on a NHL team he's someone that's going to develop into a two, a two-way player yeah i i believe so as well like he will i don't think this is what was projected of him when he got drafted but yeah i do believe that um it um it probably is what he's going to become, which is a weird thing to say. Because I remember watching him and thinking he has so much flashiness. He has so much explosiveness. Um, but yeah, it's just, it hasn't panned out in the NHL. So he kind of has to put his game around to a different dimension. Yeah, like um, like back to the Team USA, I think Troy Terry is going to make the team that... The oh, pay- he has to. ...that he's at is... Like, to me, like, when I watched him in 2015, like, there's no denying his style of play. And he was, like, his eras before um, Trevor Zegras was with those silky mitts. And he just – the he, he's able to pick those corners and those tough spots. And, you know, him and Zegras are both guys that I would think that would have to eventually crack the U.S. roster. And if – Jack Hughes comes back with no damage and the shoulders pop back in right and he begins clicking, there's probably no doubt that Jack makes it if he's uh, healthy and ready. But I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't because, you know, I think Tom Fitzgerald might become the USA hockey uh, GM and he might want to play the safe route. So, Yeah, it's between him and Bill Bill Guerin, and again, I, I know there's some yeah. doubt about Guerin getting there because of there's a pending case still going on there. Yeah, that's why I said 
it's likely going to be Fitzgerald because he has time. USA Hockey, and so does um, Ray Shiro. And he could easily be hired um, in the, with a couple of teams. Right. So, he, he's currently the assistant general manager for Minnesota, actually. Of all things. Like, he's, but, uh, he's working underneath. Yeah, even though he's assistant GM, I could see him taking a GM job. Oh yeah, that's that's what I've I I that was also one of the things that I mentioned. If the case against Bill Guerin uh, turns out to be more severe than I personally think it's going to be, if it does become that, then I, the Minnesota Wild has a GM set already, like their new GM. I don't think they need to do any interviews. They just need to go. Ray, you have the range. You know what needs to be done. You have experience. You take over. Yeah, I don't think that would be any kind of worry um, for me. Um, but yeah, I, again, I, I still think Bill Guerin is probably going to stay as assistant, and I don't think that's a bad... He's He has a smart... He's a really smart hockey man. Um, and again, the question is, can they reverse the decision of having Seth Jones in time or not? <laughs> that is my main thinking. Can, can the Team USA prevent Seth Jones from going, or has that already been set in stone? <laughs> I don't think he's set in stone. I think the team will reevaluate who they think, you know, analytically and eye test wise that I think Seth Jones is a 50, 50 at this point, I think it's still a little early. And, you know, I know my buddy, Alex Chavins, he's uh, against uh, Seth Jones so far after the Blackhawks made the move for him. And I think the transition for him in Chicago is a little, uh, how do I say dicey with the way his style of play is on Chicago? It's interesting. I will say he again offensively, Seth Jones can do a lot of things, and he's very good at them. I always felt that he was again. He has his defensive lapses, and I'm going to be interested once that contract kicks in how that's gonna work. Um, if that's gonna be too much pressure on him or not, but again, he has 14 points. It isn't like he's not producing. It's just worrisome with that contract. I think it has a lot to do with his defensive capabilities, which is what scares a lot of the analytics people. So I can see that. But if Chicago were to acquire or bring up someone who's more defensive-minded, I think he'd be a more well-rounded player. And I don't think that would be a problem for him to play with Team USA. But... I want to wait to see what they do with rounding out the roster before they put him on there. Yeah, and, and that, again, that's that's the thing. I think you have to unlock absolutely Troy Terrish. If he doesn't make it, something is completely wrong with the system. Kyle Connor, again, has to make it. No doubt. Adam Fox, those guys have to make it. The interesting players comes when you go a little bit down the order, like... I'm interested in Quinn Hughes if he makes the team, for instance. Absolutely. He's someone I've intrigued by. Is he going to make the team? Um, how about someone like Shea Gosper there? Like, there are players there that I'm seeing like that's Those would be good players to have on a team, but uh, again, it's such a limited roster to make. It's not easy to make a 23-man roster. It, it's really hard because you're making a team to play at the next step level. And I think it has to do with not only the system, but like, um, will the, if anything happens between today and the upcoming weeks with Jim Benning, 
like in Vancouver, will that new GM and leadership be uh, okay with allowing Quinn Hughes and Brock Bassard to play for Team USA? Yeah, and again, I hope the GMs let everyone play. I want to see the super teams. I want to see the mentalness of that uh, because I think it would be spectacular and quite honestly quite funny to to see. Again, yes, it, it would... Again, for, for, for me, one of the things that I think is going to be fun is... You mentioned it earlier. I'm going to be really interested in seeing how some teams are going to play against these super teams. Like, say Canada has the best of the best. Their game against Germany is going to be one of the games I would be very intrigued by to watch, actually. Because can't, you, Germany does not have a bad team. Like, they have Grubauer in that. I know he has had a rougher season, but he's not terrible. And then they have Leon Dreisaitl, who's probably currently playing as like as the best second best player in the in the world. And Moritz Seider. Moritz Seider, who is one of the candidates for the Calder. <laughs> like if if it wasn't because Lucas Freeman probably runs away with that one. Uh you have Nico Sturm in Minnesota, you have Tim Stutzler, you have players that can play, and you have some players as well in Germany who plays in one of some of the top leagues in Europe. I would be very interested to see how they would hold up against Econ McDavid, um, against Crosby. Like, seeing how that would pan out. Because I don't think it would be as one-sided as some people think it would be. Right. I think, well, one of the things I have to remind people is Nico Dawes can't play for Germany, although he's born German. Yeah, he's locked by Kazakhstan, I think. He he would, well... Because he played his hockey mainly in Canada, he wasn't brought up under the uh, German Federation system. So he wasn't able to play for the German national team. So that's why he ended up playing for Canada by default. So I can see next four years, I could see Nico Daz potentially being that guy for, um, for Canada down the road, but, I think it's going to be pretty hard to crack that. And even when he hits 28, I find the depth chart going to be still pretty hard to crack. Oh, yeah. And again, you can go with a lot of teams as well that has that kind of like upset material, I think, in the Olympics. Like you also have um, have uh, Switzerland. Like uh, look at that, how many NHLs they have. They have 11 NHLs currently playing. Especially Roman Yossi, Nico Teacher, Nino Niederreiter. Like, they have so many really good players. And even if you go, okay, Rossi, yeah, he's big big and strong, and they don't necessarily have an NHL goalie. No, but they have people who legitimately in Europe has been declared the best goalie, like, the past two seasons. So it is – there is just a lot of good teams in this tournament. I don't think it's going to be as much of a cakewalk as some people think it will be. Uh, for Canada and the US because I, I saw people when the NHL was allowed, that's where people went like, okay, Canada has won. I don't think that's as clear-cut. I could see a lot of teams. like Heck, even Denmark. Even Denmark has offset material, mainly because they have a first line. Like They have a first line that can hang. When you have Nick Ehlers and Oliver Bjorkstrand playing together, on a line, that becomes explosive. That becomes dangerous. And they have a goaltender who can steal a game if they have to. Like, I was thinking, like, you know, Denmark has, uh, you know, 
uh, Frederick Anderson, and then you have a young guy in um, the CHL in Mads Sugard, yeah, who I think is really interesting of a of a goalie pick to go with a youngster. So I think it would allow the next generation of uh, Danish goaltending to learn from the veteran in net. Oh yeah, and you could you can even add actually another Danish goaltender who um, I think it's a Montreal pick uh, from recent um, like from a few years ago, Frederik Dikov, um, who is playing currently in Sweden, um, the second tier in Sweden, um, Alsvenskan, and I think he is uh, or hockey Alsvenskan uh, for Kristianstad, where he is currently posting a nine twenty. Like he's winning games on a bad team. It's not a good team, but he's winning game games purely by because he's playing extremely well. Like he could be someone who suddenly gets a chance um, next season in North America, and suddenly Montreal, who is known to suddenly have those goaltenders come out a little bit of not nowhere, but like give it give him a chance to see what they can do and and to develop them. I could see him becoming an interesting one as well. And it's only a matter of time where these guys go onto the big stage and they get, you know, like a like a hot water with a tea bag in it. You get to see how they're extracted properly. Oh yeah, it, it is exactly that. And and the hockey program in Denmark is going to benefit so much from seeing players playing in the Olympics. Um, it's been such a demon for Danish hockey not to be in the Olympics for the past few seasons, but. A lot more kids are going to be able to see this. A lot more, it's going to get a lot more mainstream exposure. Um, and again, one more thing that also kind of helps it is that there's a lot more focus on Danish hockey internationally. Um, we hosted, the, or Denmark hosted the um, 2018 um, World Championships, which was really, really hyped up and really, really uh, promoted well for Danish hockey from Danish hockey and a lot of people came to see their first hockey games there with McDavid on the ice, which is probably not the worst thing to see. Uh, but yeah, it just kept it's just kept on growing and growing and growing. And I think it's Denmark is getting more and more respect in the hockey world. And I think also from mainstream games, hockey is not necessarily as hidden anymore. Yeah, it's um I remember watching um Denmark play in some games in uh, the World Juniors, they were able to hold their own for the most time. And there are times they were blown out a little bit, but I saw potential of them like growing. And then I also watched um, even the Danish fans when it comes to um, football against Finland. It was very interesting to see how they go up against each other uh, in an international tournament. And I can see that kind of behavior um, going into more mainstream Danish uh, ice hockey along with the heavy metal of uh, both countries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, you mentioned that game against Finland. That game, I think because of the circumstances of that game, what it ended up becoming, um, I think it ended up uniting the nation a lot more. Like, I think it... A lot of people were watching that game, and I think there was a lot more unity afterwards in terms of both in terms of football fan, but also just in terms of the country in general. Um, so I, I think 
since then that kind of excitement for sports in general has not really stopped. A lot more people are sport is not as taboo anymore as it sometimes been. It's not as looked down on. It's a lot more nice to like people, even if they aren't interested, is knows that sport is a thing that get, uh, that should be respected a little bit more. And I think hockey comes into that bracket as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we go on, we've gone on for 103 minutes plus, and uh, <laughs> we pretty much hit about just about every nail on this uh, this board today. And... Probably, I think we hit a few other nails as well. Yeah. Some, some some went as far as they didn't hit the board. We went and threw them on the other wall. Exactly. I think we I think we built a house on this one. Probably. <laughs> Probably a couple of Danish homes at this point. Um, given the fact that we've went this far, um, you know, we talk about these things for overtime heroics, hockey. Um, you've had a couple of articles in the past that you want to hit on. Um, I think the I again I I haven't really done too many articles lately because I've been I've been having the flu which is great so yeah just been been sick for the past bit so I don't have too many new articles I know what I have coming up which is I'm going to do obviously something on the prospects um which is going to be something about like um I think it's going to be like the top um twenty prospects in in the Nordic leagues. I think that's the thing you can look out for. And then I also have um, have my follow-up for the past two weeks of Minnesota Wild Hockey um, coming up as well, uh, where I will kind of report on what has happened with the Minnesota Wild, what is my thoughts on the past two weeks, what's gone wrong, what's gone right, stuff like that. And then also at some point, I'm going to make a probably way too early um, Olympic team roster for Denmark and Slovakia. I think those are the things you can look out for for me. And you know what? You, you bring that up. I need to do my European uh, player rankings, and I need to do a reassessment of what certain players are, what we talked about, and I'm going to have to put the podcast into that article uh, later today or uh, Tuesday at latest because um, I know you're probably going to fall asleep after this and, uh, <laughs> and maybe that your cat's probably asleep by now because uh, you know, it's probably too tired. Um, probably. Yeah, she is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, we do have Connor Dempster who's going to be editing these articles too. So, and, and of course uh, our editor Riley just moved to Australia. So uh, safe, uh, travels home yep all the best travels and enjoy being home again that's i hope that i hope i really hope she enjoys that she will have a good time back in australia watching uh the detroit red wings and uh enjoying raymond and cider and uh... enjoying watching them at like mid midnight or something (laughs) welcome to my world (laughs) <laughs> well, well, tw- twice, tw- twice as far away from you. <laughs> yeah, she will actually wa- watch him at midday, which is quite interesting. Midday, yes, twelve <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> watch games like as she's like eating lunch at a at some place. <laughs> <laughs> because I know um, when I when I travel to Europe, and if I were to watch hockey over there, 
I do know for a fact that I'll be able to use my VPN while I'm over there. And, you know, I think you're what, like six hours ahead? Uh, yeah, I'm six hours ahead from um, Eastern East Coast. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. You're pretty much tied with Poland and everywhere else along with Slovakia. Yeah. And again, so, that, that, watching games is a thing you need to plan, which is always interesting. Or as I or as I would recommend, if you have ESPN Plus or something like that uh, equivalent, and it's already recorded, just watch the uh, the highlights on um, on YouTube. You can go from there and save yourself a whole lot of hell if you wanted oh, to. Oh yeah, that's what I would usually do in like the regular season. But again, you can't watch a playoff game postponed if the Minnesota Wild or your team you support is in it. You have to watch it, like as it's going on. Yeah, this is, you have to make sacrifice for certain things, and I hate having to watch <laughs> Devils live games three hours uh, time difference because when they play in Vancouver... It's always the most fun whenever you see North Americans complain about the California road trip because I'm like, <laughs> you are... You know We're nothing. some sort of hypocrites. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have to watch a game at 9 p.m. I'm like... Yes, I have to watch it at 4 a.m. <laughs> I might as well wake up and have a coffee and then go to work at that point. <laughs> when I go out to my sisters in Southern California and the Devil's Games at 7, 7.30, I'm like, oh, it's 4.30. I'll just watch it. <laughs> yep. That's, so. that's a, I, I, sometimes I've woken up like earlier than I should uh, in, and then I was like, okay, there's a game going on. I just want to watch the ending of it. <laughs> it's like uh, if I got out at 7 o'clock, I'm happy yeah. to get home by by before the end of the first period, and I'll watch the rest of the remaining of the game. Okay. So, but lately, I haven't been able to watch it the past couple of games with the Devils because they played like uh, four in the – afternoon and they played at one so it was like yeah i'm glad to watch the 1 p.m game but i'm I'm happy about (laughs) taking a peek on my phone later in the work day when i saw the devils were down 3-1 i was like i have a hunch they're gonna come back and win and they end up winning uh 5-3 i'm like yes i got like texts like galore and my i I don't know if i'm the only one who does this but sometimes when things are going wrong i will like, if, for instance, I'm, like, not asleep and I get, like, some notifications, oh, the Wild is now losing a game. I'm like, if I can fall asleep and I wake I will probably wake up and see that they won somehow. If I turn on the game, they will just continue to lose. <laughs> you're you're going to be waking up four in the morning in Denmark while the Devils and, uh, and Wild play. So it's going to be an interesting Wednesday. <laughs> Or yeah. a Thursday for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I want to say maybe we should end with that one and then see what happens next time. Thank you for having me on, by the way. You're welcome. Anytime. And uh, anyone who wants to come on, you know, this is, of course, for OvertimeHeroicsHockey.net. And uh, I am Joe Stanislaw of uh, Heads Up Hockey. And uh, go ahead, Frederick. You can wrap it up. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening in, and um, I hope you have a continued pleasant day wherever you are. Bye-bye. Bye now.
How would you like to win two tickets to the Super Bowl coming right up? Vega is doing a promo code NFL0344, so apply there. And also, if you want to support the show another way, under the Vigit app, use promo code HUH2021. That's HUH2021. And for the Super Bowl, two tickets that you're trying to win, it is NFL 0344.